The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, a federal pause on the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Major setback in this vaccination effort. And when it comes to hesitancy and everything else, it's going to raise more questions. Impact on the U.S. vaccination timeline, supply, and the millions of Americans who've already gotten the shot. The CDC and FDA um, note folks who develop severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath within three weeks after vaccination should contact their health care provider. Plus reaction from practicing physician and former White House official Dr. Kavita Patel. This is a devastating blow to the J&J vaccine effort in the United States. Bad news, but perhaps a sign that the U.S. safety system is working. We have seen this happen before in history with EUAs, even FDA approvals. If you'll think about the COX-2 inhibitors, I think that the process is working. The FDA putting a pause even after these six cases. It is Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. A major headline today in the effort to distribute COVID vaccines across the United States. The CDC and FDA calling for a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson single-shot vaccine out of an abundance of caution. The agencies are reviewing data involving six cases of a rare, severe type of blood clot in individuals after receiving the vaccine. This is difficult timing for a pause in one of the just three vaccines approved for emergency use in the United States. Johnson & Johnson had the goal of delivering 100 million shots to Americans by the end of May. The company was already impacted by manufacturing issues after a plant run by Emergent Biosolutions ruined some 15 million doses of the vaccine. More than 22% of Americans are now fully vaccinated against the virus. Nearly 50% of people over the age of 18 have received at least one dose of any vaccine. Pfizer and Moderna do their vaccines in two shots, several weeks apart, and those two companies are far ahead in terms of distribution. More than 80 and 90 million doses compared to about 7 million from J&J. This news broke today while Squawk Box was on the air with anchors Joe Kernan, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Melissa Lee. We'll kick it off with Andrew. To give you a little bit more color, the report is framing this uh, as a recommendation that the federal government is going to make this recommendation to states, which will have the, which will be able to make their own decision about what to do, but that the federal government itself will stop administering this vaccine at all federally run vaccination sites. 
The federal officials expect that the state officials will take that as a strong signal to do the same. Uh, but of course, this raising lots of questions about that vaccine. Uh, we should tell you that so far, uh, nearly 7 million people have taken that Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Roughly 9 million more doses uh, are being shipped out to states uh, as we speak. So a, and, uh, and, what Andrew, may be considered a setback, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. a major uh, setback in this well, vaccination it, effort. And when it comes to hesitancy the, and everything else, it's going to raise more questions. You saw the other news uh, with Johnson & Johnson. There was the batch that they can use that was not manufactured. Right. Then you've got the, the similar uh, clotting issues with, with, with uh, AstraZeneca over in Europe with, with that vaccine, where the numbers of, that have been administered are, are huge, millions, and you're talking about 10, 12, 18 clotting incidents that are concerning because it certainly doesn't look like it's just background, but they decided over there that the benefits right. of not getting COVID outweighed uh, the risks. And with Johnson & Johnson recently, You've also had a couple of instances where it, they weren't clotting incidents, but they were adverse reactions in a handful of people. And you had uh, actual discrete locations that stopped administering the J&J from, I think it was kind of like the allergic uh, anaphylactic mm -hmm. right. uh, situation with J&J. So not an isolated incident, but this obviously would, would be the most concerning. But you're, you're talking about really set, what you said it, Andrew, seven million mm -hmm administered and did you say Already. six and you said six I, cases of a rare is that the number six you cases said? Of, a, six. of a rare of, of, of what seems to be a very rare situation nonetheless uh, when you start to think about the idea that we're 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 jabbing three four million people a day and clearly to make the numbers uh, and and to uh, get rid of this as quickly as possible and to end this pandemic uh, taking those vaccines the j and j vaccines out of circulation um, of course, is going to be a huge setback to those types of numbers uh, and the type of success rates that, that we were looking for. Uh, it's also going to push, put more pressure, of course, on the supply chain of Pfizer uh, and Moderna, uh, given that those are going to be now kind uh, of the interesting. Focus uh, kind of, of interesting efforts. that the, the new technology, the untested technology that everyone uh, you know, sort of raised eyebrows. What are you? What are you using a messenger RNA technology that Moderna and Pfizer? Uh, pioneered these other ones, AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson. These are the the, the more um, established, um, safer at least for now. Uh, and, and the way that people thought, and maybe you, you get a better T cell response with some of those. They thought, and, and it initially there was, you know, people were, I think, you know, at least questioning the the messenger RNA delivery system more than some of the classic ways of doing it. And yeah. it's just weird that. Right. Some of the problems are with the, the old uh, line. But if you want to call them problems, now the Dow, that's amazing, down 160 points. Just, just to put a little bit more color on this, all six recipients um, that had problems uh, were women between the ages of 18 and 48 years old. One woman died and a second woman in Nebraska has been hospitalized in critical condition. Um, and, and, it, and it is those cases uh, that have uh, created this concern uh, by federal authorities, and, and that appears to be uh, why, at least for now, um, the government is putting the pause button, uh, if not more than that, and we'll see, on this J&J vaccine. But as you oh, said, Jeff, and as we uh, see, uh, futures are, are going to session lows. We saw a, a tick lower in futures as we saw Johnson & Johnson shares move lower. Moderna shares are actually higher.
perhaps on the back of this. But, Andrew, as you had mentioned, you know, there's a couple of impacts here in terms of the vaccine rollout largely and how taking that Johnson Johnson vaccine out of the mix will impact the speed of the rollout, but also, you know, what role this news plays in vaccine hesitancy for the people who were already on the fence about getting vaccinated. What sort of impact will this have in terms of their decision to get vaccinated or not? And could that be a setback for the reopening on any level here? And so we're seeing a little bit, uh, you know, in the futures, we're looking at the reopening trades, the cruise lines, for instance, are, are trading lower. We're also watching the airlines and, of course, the futures as they start to tick lower here. Yeah. And J&J, you know, such a great reputation, uh, corporate reputation, and it was a one dose. So there were people mm -hmm. that said, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to get the deal. No one could choose. A lot of obviously. people. Yep. You get whatever you I, could. I don't know. I think maybe some people would have, you know, AstraZeneca, maybe you'd say, maybe I'll hold off and do a Pfizer or Moderna or J&J. But it's, uh, this, is, this is a setback for, uh, obviously, for the whole program. But for J&J &J, uh, in particular, such a, uh, you know, established the, in all the way back to, to the way, you know, the company handled uh, previous problems way back in the past. Remember, they, they, right. kids in college study how they handled uh, the Tylenol mm. uh, recall. Right. On the phone with us, Dr. Kavita Patel, NBC medical contributor and a fellow at the Brookings Institution. And I know it's, uh, it's early in, but it's great to have you because you, you actually are a practicing physician. So the adeno... Uh, a, a vector that J&J &J is using has been used on a lot of different vaccines in the past, Dr. Patel. So it, it, a lot of people took a solace in that, that, that it had been a tried and true method. Is this surprising that this is uh, happening with, with this particular uh, vaccine, COVID vaccine? It, it is surprising. And, and I think that uh, just as we're getting emerging details, you know, the FDA issued a brief statement with uh, more details later today six cases that they're scrutinizing, which seems similar in detail, looking at further detail, to cases that we've seen similar to AstraZeneca, where it mimics kind of what we, what we call heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, which is just a complicated kind of clotting mechanism that is not seen with, to your point, kind of the adenovirus vector-based vaccines. I will say this, it's, it's shocking and hard to believe that there is such a strong link of causality that these vaccines cause these clots. But, you know, again, I, I guess I would only, to people who have had the J&J &J vaccine, the only solace I would tell you is that these six cases, it appears, still trying to work through details, but it appears that these clots were seen, you know, early. And so this is something that uh, I, I know that I actually have patients scheduled today to get the vaccine, but obviously we're pausing all around the country. And and I, it's going to be hard as we see more supply of Pfizer and Moderna to, to walk this back. If you look at what's happened in the rest of the world with AstraZeneca, this is, dev this is a devastating blow to the J&J &J vaccine to effort it's in the United States. Well, you, you bring up some really interesting points there. Now, and, and we don't want to make too much out of it either. As you say, we don't know about uh, causation and, and whether there is any link or not. But if, if the adenovector has been used many, many times before without this, then you're right. back to worrying about what it's delivering. And that is the, the, the spike protein, the, the epitope of, uh, from, from right. COVID, which is the same spike protein that the... the uh, the messenger RNA ones do not deliver it. They actually cause, obviously cause you to make it yourself. 
But it would make me worry that something in the spike protein, if it's not the adenovector, then it would make me worry that there is a clotting risk just from, from del delivering that, the, the spike protein. And I hope that, that, that would make me worry about all the vaccines. But it, as yeah. I say, Right, it's right. Very early, and that's exactly, that's exactly where the EMA, if you go through the detailed reports that I did uh, on AstraZeneca, that was exactly the dialogue and discussion around kind of the mechanism of action for their concerns around the clots. And there was actually discussion at the EMA level around other kind of viral-based vaccines and how this is not seen. And so, you know, recall that there were several cases in Europe uh, around Johnson & Johnson as well. And now we have um, six cases that the FDA is citing in their statement around pausing. So, you know, if anybody's listening or viewing and they've got appointments for Johnson & Johnson today, I think this would be the time to... It, most of us who have uh, scheduled slots were shifting to one of the other two manufacturers as quickly as possible. But... I mean, truly, this has been one of the few vaccines. Johnson & Johnson was uh, incredibly, not only effective, Joe, but it was incredibly useful for kind of mobile vaccination efforts, you know, places that were hard to reach. And you could just do one shot and quickly administer a vaccine. Uh, so this, this, is this is definitely yeah. going to cause a ripple effect in our attempts in the United States, bringing up all the issues around how, how to beat the variants going to become more timely I saw, than ever. Melissa, you, you asked for, I saw you raise your hand, and I, I know you, you wanted to get in, so I'm, I, I know that. Well, so thank, go ahead. Thank you, Melissa. Joe. You're, um, you're welcome. Dr. Patel, getting back to, to Johnson, I mean, the markets right now are punishing Johnson Johnson specifically, but do you think that there's any concern uh, that should be placed surrounding the, the FDA EUA process? Uh, I, I understand that in the clinical trials, there were some other blood clots that developed in some of the participant groups for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And so the FDA came out, uh, you know, weeks later, days later, saying that, that the numbers were relatively small compared to the benefits that the vaccine would have. Yeah, I, you're bringing up a good point. I scrutinized the same documents that Verpak looked at and the advisory committee to the FDA. I would not criticize the process of kind of receiving the EUA. The data on, and, and by the way, the clots, that's what we're waiting for, the six details, the six cases in the United States seem very different from what was in the trial data. But again, I think we need some of those details. However, that this is exactly why I think we have a, a process following an EUA where we're supposed to kind of reevaluate, especially if we're looking at a fully licensed product. So I actually... Th we have seen this happen before in history with EUAs, uh, with even FDA approvals. If you'll think about the COX-2 inhibitors, and, and then we have post-market surveillance. So I would actually tell you that I think that the process is working. The FDA putting a pause even after these six cases uh, with the, uh, they're convening an advisory committee meeting of the CDC as well this week. So I do think that the process is working. I think what's causing all of us a lot of concern, to Joe's point, if we're seeing this across two kind of viral-based vaccines, is there now something about the technology of the vaccine that would not have been self-evident even in the data given to the FDA? And by the way, we didn't even have AstraZeneca data to look at at the FDA level. So now I'm, I know the FDA, the EMA regulators are at least discussing this and their scientists are discussing this. 
I do hope, again, we've had about 8 million doses of Johnson & Johnson go out, so I want to put this all back into scope around kind of what we're looking at. It's incredibly rare. That does not give anyone who's having right. full comfort. But I do Doctor, think it's uh, something to think about. Yeah. Doctor, a couple, couple of questions for you. One is we should tell you, we were talking about it last week. Uh, there was a, uh, a, Luntz, uh, a, a poll that we talked about uh, with, with Frank Luntz last week that actually the majority of those people who uh, wanted to wait and see about taking a vaccine at all said if they were going to do it, they were going to do it with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I don't know if you saw it. Axios uh, uh, had a study, that, there, or rather a, a, a survey, a poll really, in your business uh, about uh, hesitation today, saying that a majority of those who want to wait and see about the vaccine are more inclined to take the Johnson & Johnson one dose than they are the Pfizer, um, with the number three one coming in as Moderna. I don't accept that information because I know that uh, the hesitancy among Trump people is more for the Johnson & Johnson. The hesitancy among the Biden people is more for the two vaccines rather than the one. So let's just talk about what this may or may not do to the idea of vaccine hesitancy across yeah. the board. Yeah. I work. It's, when I saw the kind of news coming across, and that was exactly my concern, I thought, wow, I've been working, you know, we have about 24% of Americans that we know for different reasons that have said, no, thank you, not for me. A lot of those who I speak to have said, you know, it's just too much too soon. And that was exactly, Andrew, my thought when that came across the wire. I thought, oh, great, this is, but, but again, I'm trying to take this all into a bigger picture. Hundred, you know, plus million shots into arms have gone out just in the U.S. Then I think about worldwide. These are very important. Side. These these are not trivial cases. However, I, we still need to look at what's underlying them. To anybody who's hesitant, I would tell you, think about the fact that we are still dealing with deaths, hospitalizations, and the effects of even mild cases of COVID. Vaccines have been shown to be effective in all of those situations. Preventing death can you just, is a much better. Can you speak option. to this? And I, I don't know if you'll know the answer in, uh, about supply chain in this regard. Um, Six million uh, have been uh, put in arms. Nine million more on their way. These are Johnson and Johnson uh, vaccines. So you take the nine million off plus what is supposed to come on the back of that. What does that look like in terms of how much Moderna and how many? Uh, uh, Pfizer vaccines will be available, and will that be able to take up some of the slack in the interim, or are we going to are, are we going to get to a crunch point? Yeah, you recall that just recently the FDA approved uh, were able to allow Moderna to put 15 doses into a vial. That was a pretty big game changer from kind of a raw material supply chain. So Moderna is able, both Moderna and Pfizer, are able to kind of pick up some of that slack. It's it's still going to be. It will take time. So the issue is not could Moderna and Pfizer make up for it. They could. Remember, Pfizer had already approved enough doses that could theoretically vaccinate half the country just on Pfizer alone, but that would take at least until June or July through some of their agreements with um, additional manufacturers domestically. So there is possibility to pick up the slack. It is no, there's no doubt it's going to be a blow, though, because Johnson & Johnson was a critical part, since it's one dose only, in these proximal weeks. In the next one to three weeks, right. you just can't substitute it. So this will delay our vaccination efforts, but now you're going to... 
just something to be aware of. You're going to hear a renewal for calls to delay that second shot so that we can get as many first shots into arms. It's not an unreasonable thing to do to consider now if we push out the second doses of Moderna and Pfizer one or two weeks. This could actually still help us pick up some of that slack in a faster pace. Right. Okay, uh, Dr. Patel, thank you uh, so very much for your perspective. We want to jump on the phone right now with CBC's Meg Terrell, who I know has been making her own calls about this situation. Guys, I did get a statement Meg. from Jane Jay this morning that I probably should just yep. uh, put out there. Um, they know Please. the safety and well-being of the people who use our products is our number one priority. We share all adverse event reports about individuals receiving our COVID-19 vaccine along with our assessment of these reports with health authorities and compliance with regulatory standards. They say they're aware that thromboembolic events, including those with thrombocytopenia, have been reported with COVID-19 vaccines. At present, no clear causal relationship has been established between these rare events and the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. They say they continue to work closely with experts and regulators to assess the data and support the open communication of this information to healthcare professionals and the public. So that's what we've got from J&J right now, guys. Right. Is there any guidance um, for people who have taken the J&J vaccine in the past two weeks of anything that they should be just watching for? Uh, and I, I ask only because what appears to be the case is six women, as we know, somewhere between the ages of 18 and 48, uh, ha having these problems, one death. Um, once you're past the two-week period, I mean, I know, again, we're talking about very, very small numbers here, but are there things that viewers should be thinking about here? Yes. Um, the CDC and FDA um, note folks who develop severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath within three weeks after vaccination should contact their health care provider. Um, and they ask that health care providers report adverse events to their uh, vaccine adverse event reporting system. We are going to get a briefing from uh, the CDC and the FDA, or maybe just the FDA and maybe a separate one from, from CDC. Um, so, of course, we'll bring more when we get that. Um, it, it does seem that, uh, as the doctor was just saying, all six cases occurred six to 13 days after vaccination. Um, and so it does seem like it's within a discrete period of time, and there are absolutely things folks should look out for. Um, you know, up to three weeks after vaccination. Yeah. Hey, Meg. He was pretty reassuring about it. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm just trying to figure out how long we've been using adeno-based uh, uh, vaccines. I, I think back to the 70s even, and there's been quite a few, Ebola, Zika, uh, and been tested, human trials tested on malaria. I mean, it's a widely used vector, and it's just, I don't know, do you know whether there have been instances of what Dr. Patel described a heparin-induced clotting due to a, a adenovirus vaccines? Yeah, so they're actually not widely used vaccines, uh, although they are an older technology. Um, Johnson & Johnson has used this technology for a number of different vaccines and so does have a large safety database of hundreds of thousands of people. Um, to my knowledge, this has not been a known risk factor for this approach. Right. Um, what it sounds like, if it's the same thing as the AstraZeneca vaccine, is potentially kind of an immune reaction um, to something about the vaccine, an incredibly rare one, um, yeah. and people are still trying to understand it better. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we we're actually hoping it might be the adeno and not the what it's delivering, the, the spike protein, because then you worry. But, you know, it's early, and, and whether there's any causation, we keep uh, stressing that. We don't know at this point. Well, Joe, point. we Maybe. should know. I mean, how many people have received the mRNA yeah, vaccines? Right. It's, it's much more. 
many more. But even for the, the Johnson Johnson, you're talking about six out of millions, too, as well. Yeah. Thanks, Meg. Later this morning, we did hear from the acting commissioner of the FDA. We're recommending this pause while we work together to fully understand these events and also so we can get information out to healthcare providers and vaccine recipients. Right now, I'd like to stress these events appear to be extremely rare. While we review the available data, out of an abundance of caution, the FDA and CDC are recommending a pause in the use of this vaccine in the United States. The CDC will hold an advisory committee meeting tomorrow on this issue. Former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb, you know him if you've listened to Squawk Pod at all in the last year, pointed out today that the FDA's decision-making here is significant. Let's start with what the FDA didn't do. They didn't revoke the emergency use authorization. They didn't order this off the market. This was a requested pause, which is an awkward regulatory step, but I think it reflects a level of caution on their part not to appear to act too forcefully here. Now, the rare blood clot that's prompted the pause of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine mirrors risks Europeans have found in the AstraZeneca vaccine, which uses, as you just heard in our conversation, a similar delivery mechanism inside the human body, an adenovirus. Just this week, Australia announced it would not be purchasing the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, citing the use of an adenovirus. That said, there is no definitive causality between that particular vaccine science and these rare blood clots. J&J is another viral vector vaccine, um, and we have no advice uh, recommending at this point that the government purchase any additional viral vector vaccines. That's not a reflection, that's just simply an observation. And how are the markets responding to this headline? Investors seem relatively unwavered at this point. Morgan Stanley issued a statement saying they, quote, do not expect the overall U.S. vaccination effort or timeline to be materially impacted. The White House also weighed in, confirming that the administration believes that this will not change its plan to administer 200 million vaccines by May. To date, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine makes up less than 5% of the recorded shots in arms in this country. Some confidence from the White House that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have enough supply to pick up the slack, so to speak. It's just another reminder, while we're nearing the end of this pandemic, there is still a ways to go. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. 
Here's Joe Kernan. I don't know if you if you have seen this. I, I just looked over at my Twitter feed. It says, it's your Twitter anniversary. Celebrate with a special tweet created just for you. Have you ever gotten one of them? There's it some was party favorite. Yesterday. I've had that. I before. don't celebrate <laughs> my Twitter anniversary. It's a day that will live in infamy. The day that that's why I wouldn't pay for that first tweet from what's his face from uh, you know Rip Van Winkle, the bearded dude. Uh, I wouldn't celebrate that. It's a day that should have never happened. If if you like a civil society, you can but it quit did. Twitter. But You're free to quit. It's a free country. I get news from it, and uh-huh. I get some jokes. Okay. I get some materials. So it's useful I get some materials <laughs> from it. I'm gonna. T- should I tweet it? Did you tweet it yesterday? I Melissa? did. You did. Why not? You, all right. Let me look at it. Okay, so when when did it. you join? When uh, did you join? Can I tell from this? It, it's nine it's years ago. Oh my God! Nine years ago. Nine, nine years, years on ago. Twitter. I celebrated nine. eight years on Twitter. It's been you a know, long it is. Time. It is the best nine years of my life, I would say, family-wise and so everything else. Maybe you can else. thank Twitter so for it. Maybe it was Twitter. You never know. Now is probably a good time to remind you to follow us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. If you're brave enough, Joe Kernan's handle is at Joe Squawk, Andrew at Andrew R. Sorkin. Thanks to Melissa Lee for sitting in today. You can find her on Twitter at Melissa Lee CNBC. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're a regular, do us a favor and leave a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Share Squawk Pod, help us get the word out to other listeners. And we'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.